So welcome back to the Raider Report podcast, everyone. My name is Nick Benvenuto. I'm the news editor for the Wright State Guardian. Uh, we're, we're joined here today by Claire O'Toole, social media assistant. Hey, guys. How, how are you doing? And we have Maxwell Patton, Wright Life reporter. Hello, everyone. And we also have a special guest joining us today, Mr. Nick Johnson, shift supervisor for contact tracing here at Wright State. Nick, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. How's everybody else doing? Doing good, doing good. good. It's been it's been a long weekend for me. I had two birthday parties that I had to go to this weekend. Some of my friends were were uh, celebrating another another year around the sun, so I did that. Um, went and saw my family for a little bit this weekend, which was nice. Um, we talked about it on a previous podcast. Um, I think talking about like our Thanksgiving episode. Uh, my family actually just had to get tested for COVID. So there was like a, a two week period there where they were quarantined and we were awaiting their results. So I didn't get to see them. So it was nice to be able to to drive up 30 minutes to where I'm from, get to go see them for a little bit, spend some time with them, um, especially because we didn't get to do it on Thanksgiving. So try to make up for a little bit of lost time there. Yeah. Um, so that was nice. What did you guys get into this weekend? I enjoyed not studying for anything. Um, and not writing much. Um, I enjoyed just chilling out. Yeah, chilling out with family, sleeping in. Um, I actually wrote, uh, the rest of my story for the Guardian magazine. A little plug there that's coming out in the spring. I wrote a story, uh, centering around kids at Wright State that have not yet had a normal spring semester due to the faculty Mm -hmm. strike and the coronavirus. So I hope you guys will check that out. And uh, so I just finished that story and sent it to Alexis, who's our managing editor. And I'm pretty excited how it turned out. Nice. When does the magazine come out? Do you guys know yet? I believe April. Not sure. April? Okay. I think it might we'll be have to March. keep it close. I'm not sure. It's one of those March, two April timeframe, something like that. Yeah. Maxwell, what'd you get into this weekend? Um... Well, most of the weekend that we've had Saturday and Sundays has been spent doing a lot of editing, um, mm-hmm. both with uh, videos for a project for a club that I'm in, um, for mm-hmm. the improv trip, and for uh, The Guardian. Like, I've been doing just articles for since like Friday night and mm-hmm. Saturday morning. But I also got to go see um, Christmas lights uh, with my mom's second cousin and her daughter. Oh, uh, up nice. by uh, the Renaissance Fair down by Harveysburg. Uh, that okay. was that awesome. was super cool. It was a I nice went around little, and like, Christmas lights last night as well. Yeah, it's always fun going out and seeing them. Where did you go see Christmas lights, Claire? Um, just around Cleveland, around the neighborhoods. There's a street uh, in a neighboring suburb that always goes all out for Christmas with their decorations and lights and. I can't imagine trying to sleep uh, at night on that street, but it's definitely fun to walk around, and the weather was nice, so it was good. Well, that's awesome. Nick, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you got into this weekend. 
So a um, little bit about me. I'm a graduate student here at Wright State. Um, I'm studying to get my graduate certificate in anatomy. And this weekend, I took my final exam on Friday and spent most of it relaxing with my wife. And we also went around and looked at Christmas lights for a bit on Saturday. Um, there's a couple of neighborhoods down in Oakwood and Kettering that, mm -hmm. like Claire was saying, they, they like to go all out. So it was really neat to see. Well, that's cool. That's cool. How was your guys' finals week? I know for myself, I had um, I had two actual finals that I had to take. And then my other two classes, we just had like projects that we had. So I actually had like my two projects done going into this this past week. Um, so I had a final on Monday and I had a written final on Tuesday. Um, and then I was pretty much done. And the other cool thing was I had my two classes that I had projects in. Um, the teacher already had like final grades submitted. So I actually had my final grade and everything. I knew exactly where I was standing. So that was really cool. Um, how, what was your guys' finals week experience like? I finished up some stuff a little bit early, but for the most part, what I just worked on was writing, which is why I said I was happy to not be writing as much this week. Um, <laughs> final papers. In, in previous semesters, I've had more papers than actual exams. I had one exam, mm -hmm. which I did well on, and I was finished by Wednesday. Oh, that's good. Yes, when I got, I got my credits for a couple of things. Oh, yeah. I feel like it's a really good feeling during finals week when you get done on like like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And yeah. then you still have like that second half of the week where you're just like, it's like a weight off your shoulders. You almost That's have like nothing best. else to do. And you're like, okay, this is awesome. Yeah. Or you just check another class off of your list. Yep. Maxwell, what about you? I know that you said that you, you only have a couple classes left here at Wright State. And you're going to be graduating here soon. Yeah. Um, because I think I have to take four classes, like 12 semester credits in order mm -hmm. to actually graduate from the university. But, um, I had most of my classes done by, I think it was Wednesday. I think it was either Wednesday or like Thursday afternoon. Um, I just mm -hmm. had like one final project for, um, my survey of comm class that I literally got finished. Um, cause it was due Friday at five and I literally got done. Mm -hmm exactly friday at five because i had to run i had to run and return my books uh, back to the university oh, no. but i mean otherwise it was i i think i actually got like 100 on that so that was that was like oh my gosh the work i put into this is actually like paying off thank goodness it's been nice. really nice congratulations it's been nice to just kind of be able to really like relax after this week and just really let off some steam good for you good for you yeah congratulations that's great. Nick, what about you? How was your, uh, how was your classes? Uh, it was pretty good. Um, we had our final presentation and a paper due last week. And then this week we had two written exams. Um, and then for neuroanatomy, we actually had an oral final where we did a, um, basically a zoom call with the professors and they asked us questions and we had like a digital whiteboard to draw on. And it was kind of like an open dialogue with the professor. So that was neat. Um, very hard to study for, but it was neat. Yeah. What's it been like being at the graduate level during all of this coronavirus craziness, especially with you working, you know, in the field as well? So I, um, I just started grad school this August. So I guess I don't really know any different to compare it to. 
Um, I mean, compared to undergrad, I would say the courses are a little bit more intense and in that they do require more time. So I think I was in like seven or eight credit hours this semester, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but it was a lot of studying. Oh, sure. Um, and working at the same time, I enjoy it because it gives me a break from my courses. Um, mm -hmm. And it's also been nice because it's kind of a change of pace from what I'm doing in the classes. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a lot of uh, good interaction time as well. Yeah. Are you working from home mainly? Or are you like still like going into some sort of office? Like, tell us a little bit about your work life. Yeah. So when I started um, the semester, I was working as a contact tracer before being promoted to supervisor, and we did just a couple days in person for the training up front, and then since then we've been remote. And so I work from home. I also study from home for the most part, um, and we use our you know, our laptops. I've actually got a second monitor here set up and I can run both at the same time and that makes it easier. But it's the same headset I'm using now and we just go through and make calls. Um, what is the process of contact tracing like? Um, I know that I've written a story on this, so I know a little bit about it. Um, and I know that Maxwell worked on a story this week and that's actually, actually how we got in contact with you. Um, so I'd, I'd really like to hear from you um, as somebody who's working in the contact tracing. And then I'd also really like to hear from Maxwell um, and learn some of the things that he learned this week and some of the things that he was able to write about. So um, Nick, if you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit um, about what your job entails, some of the things that you do on a daily basis, um, working as a contact tracer and then moving up um, as a shift supervisor. Yes, certainly. So it all starts when somebody tests positive for a communicable disease. So when somebody tests positive for in this pandemic, COVID-19, um, it gets reported to the health department. And then from there, the health department makes every effort they can to reach out to them and do what's called contact tracing, where you explain um, the need to stay away from other people during the infectious period, as well as what people who were in contact with you while you were infectious should do. Um, and that, that's the contact tracing aspect, figuring out who you were in contact with during that period, um, and then providing them with resources so that they understand what's going on and so that they can, you know, you mentioned it earlier, even um, quarantine at home away mm -hmm. from people. And so that, that process, um, you know, a contact tracing interview takes, can take about 30 minutes or so. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it also is focused on collecting information for the epidemiologist to better understand the spread of the disease within the community. So one of the things that contact tracing is good for is spotting clusters of outbreaks. So if you notice, you know, hey, there's eight people or however many people from this one location, this nursing home, this dorm, this fill in the blank, you're able to pass that up so that it can be, you know, investigated and hopefully help contain it better. Um, going from the role of contact tracer, making the calls to supervisor, um, it was a good transition for me because I had wonderful support from the team that was already there, the, the supervisors that were there before me, and they did a great job helping teach me and getting me to the place where I could do the job. And so it's difficult for me um, supervising people remotely. Um, I imagine it would have been helpful supervising them in person and getting to know people face to face before they went remote. It's like a lot of the people that I work with, I've never met, you know? Yeah. Um, 
well, and as I'm a actually, leader, I feel like that it just helps you make those connections with the people that you're working with when you actually get to meet them face to face and you know understand their background and what they're doing in their daily life. As, aside from just work, it helps you. Um, you know, I've been in leadership positions as well in the past, and that's one of the things that you know is is most fun about being a leader for me, especially is is getting that social interaction and stuff. We've talked about that a lot on the podcast and how um, this this pandemic and coronavirus has has really shifted the workplace and how it's it's altered the way that people work and stuff. So I totally understand what you're talking about. Yeah, um, it's. And I imagine you're all feeling that with your courses too, to some extent. Yeah. Um, if you have online courses. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all I was all online this semester, and that will continue next semester. Sounds like it's going to be continuing for for quite some time. Probably the the length of the time that I'll be here at Wright State as well. Like I said, I've only got um, I think I have seven classes left. I have four this upcoming semester, and then three over the summer, and then I'll be out. So I imagine that I will be doing the majority of my of my seven remaining classes in the online format. Um, same with you, Maxwell. Probably yeah. going to be the end of our college experience all online. It's good in terms of. Safety. But, you know, in terms of social, not too much. Yeah. Nick, what are some of the questions that, you know, when you're doing these these contact tracing calls and you're you're getting in contact with these people who have tested positive, what are, what are some of the questions um, that you're asking them and what are some of the things that you're looking for as a contact tracer when you said that you're doing these like 30, 35 minute interviews with them? Yeah. So, I mean, it first starts with um, just explaining, you know, what's going on, that they have tested positive. And, and most of the time people already know that their, their physician or wherever they've gotten the test has already provided them with that result. And so they already have some level of understanding of what's going on, but it's just really explaining what's happening as well as going through and getting their background information to determine if they are at higher risk or if they are in a situation, like I was saying, that is high risk. So like, for the high risk situations, the questions we ask are like, have you been at any weddings? Have you been at any large gatherings? Have you uh, traveled outside of the country? Are you working in an occupation where you're in contact with a lot of people on a daily basis? Or you're working in an area where you can't necessarily take precautions? Um, things like that that could potentially lead to the spread of the disease much quicker. Mm -hmm. Um and so past that, though, there's more questions that come in just about the person and their family in general. Like, do you have enough food? Do you have a thermometer? Is there something that we can offer you to make this easier for you? Mm -hmm. Is so that something that is that something that you guys would provide them? Like if if you're asking that question, you know, to somebody and they say, no, I don't have these this equipment and these essential things that I might end up needing. What would happen in a situation like that? So it's hard to go into explicit detail because we do provide, we're a supplemental team. So we provide services for different counties in the area, like Butler, Warren, um, and a few others. And so it, it's, it's county specific, but a lot of the different counties do have, you know, thermometers on hand or they have what they call like food packs that they can send um, mm -hmm. and things like that. But that gets very granular depending on the area. Well, that's nice. That way you're not just taking care of their physical health at the moment, but overall making sure they're taken care of. That's great. Absolutely. When I was talking to uh, one of the contact tracers, they were mentioning that uh, there can be some times when the uh, people you're talking to, um, who you contact, uh, who have tested positive have been, I guess, upset, I guess, um, like, really like frust like stubborn with you um have you ever experienced that 
I have. Yeah. Um, that does happen. It, I wouldn't say it happens super often. Um, but when it does happen, it can be challenging. So one of the things that we've been focusing on with our contact tracers is helping to, you know, increase the tools they have in their toolkit. And one of those tools is a good understanding of motivational interviewing and being able to build a good rapport with the case. So you do the best that you can with each person that you call. And there are some situations like that where somebody is hostile or somebody doesn't want to have any part of this. And so they typically either hang up or, you know, they let it go. And so there's nothing we can do for that one person. But right now it's important. And this is something else we teach is that it's important to not let it discourage you and to move on to the next and just do the best that you can with each person. Um, but we do focus on, you know, motivational interviewing as well as building that good rapport where we can. Has there been any like clusters um, that you've noticed working in this in this field of like high spread rates? Like, is it people going out to like bars and restaurants are you guys finding? Or is it, you know, family parties and the holidays? What has been, um, you know, some of these, these, these larger groups of people that you're seeing, you know, repeats like, okay, yeah. this is, this is, um, you know, this is where the spread rates are happening the most. Yeah. So with HIPAA, it can be very difficult to go down into that, that granular level of detail as to, you know, yeah. this is the place, but I would say, for anyone who's been following the pandemic as it's gone on, and if you go to ohiocoronavirus.gov, I believe is the website for Ohio. And so you can see the trends mm -hmm. um, and you do see the trends going up right now. And we did just have a major holiday where people yeah. were traveling. Um, I imagine the increased contact with people from out of your area may contribute to it. But again, it's very hard to suss out individual factors. I mean, the best thing that you can do for yourself is limit your contact with other people outside the home. Mm -hmm. um, and, and when you can't, wearing a mask and washing your hands. That seems like what everyone has been saying since March, but some people still don't get it. Yep. And it's going to be interesting to see how things move forward now, especially with the release of the vaccine. And um, mm -hmm. I know that they're going to be like really hard pushing this vaccine out to um, you know, people that need it, um, uh, people that are like in the medical field and that are at, at like a high exposure rate and stuff like that are going to be getting it first. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see, um, how this vaccine affects, affects the virus. And I'm always intrigued just to see how long this is going to last. I saw an interview with Bill Gates, for example, um, just the other day when he was talking about how, you know, that this, the sense of normalcy that we, you know, that we lived in, you know, just this past January, um, he doesn't expect that to be happening until sometime into 2022. And I was like, oh my gosh, I wow. hope that that's not true. Like, I, I just, I can't imagine having to, mm. to go through what we're going through right now until 2022. I mean, if it happens, it happens. There's nothing that we're going to be able to do about it. But I'm just, I'm, I'm so over this stuff already from, you know, the, the added stress that it's put to my, my schoolwork and my guardian work. Um, and just life in general, I'm, I've, I've said this a million times, I'm a really outgoing person. I love going to concerts and music festivals and, and being around people and meeting new people and sharing ideas and, and getting new ideas from the new people that I meet. So this has been, these, these past couple months have just been like, this has been like the hardest year of my life. I'll go ahead and say that. Um, mentally, yeah, it's just been rough. I hear you, man. It's, it's been challenging for me as well. I'm also a very outgoing person, so I need that social interaction. Um, that's something that I think everybody's, you know, feeling that um, 
Oh, it's a good word for it. Fatigue. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, what are what are some of the ways that you've been able to deal with that, Nick? Um, in your own personal life, like you said, you're you're a social person. You're you like to go out and meet new people. What are some of the ways that that you've been able to deal with all of the added stress and not being able to go see your friends or family? Maybe. So I've been focusing a lot on not necessarily building new connections, but more of fostering those connections that I do have. And what I mean by that is like my friends from undergrad and other friends from like high school. I just staying in touch like we'll do on the weekend we'll do like a zoom call where we play um party games that we can all message in from our phones things like that um and just reconnecting with everybody i've been taking this year as a good time to just learn about different things that i didn't know as much about so i've been listening to a lot of podcasts and reading books very excited for um this break i've got five books i'd like to read before it's over oh that's interesting i'm curious uh nick uh, contact tracer Nick. What sort of uh, podcast do you enjoy listening to? So right now, I've been really into um, financial podcasts as well as there's one um, that's by a physician, and it's it's a little bit it's a lot about finances, but it's also about like just getting into your career and mistakes that you can make as a physician. So I'm hoping to go to medical school next year, and I think that it would I thought it would be beneficial for me to start listening to something like that now. He's like, we don't have any physicians in my family that guide me through, hey, do this, hey, don't do that, or that's a scam, or this is a scam. I, I have no idea. So I've been listening to a lot of that. What did you do uh, for your undergrad, Nick? What was your undergrad degree? <laughs> so it's funny you ask. I actually did my undergrad in mechanical engineering. Um, wow. So I, hey. I graduated from the University of Dayton with a degree in mechanical engineering back in uh, 18. And then worked for a couple of years as an engineer with a uh, a company that makes medical devices and transplant tissues. And then I decided to go back to school, um, you know, and apply to medical school. To kind of bridge that gap and explain how I went from that to this, I was an EMT in my undergrad working on a couple of different ambulances. And I really enjoyed that patient interaction. That's just something that I didn't get when I was working as an engineer. And it made me want to go back. Well, that's really cool. So you didn't limit yourself. That's good. No, no, I um, I try to take new opportunities when I can. So like, I'd never been interviewed for a news article or been on a podcast. And I'm really excited that you guys reached out to me. I've enjoyed this. Oh, good. So this isn't stressful. No pressure, Nick. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily say that, but good stress. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to some of the work that you do now, um, how did you land the position that you're that you that you started in um, as a contact tracer? What was the process of that like? Um, and the other question I had is: um, Was contact tracing something that existed before the coronavirus, or is that entire position like new to the things that we're experiencing this year? Absolutely, it's something that has existed for a long time um, within public health, and so. I'm not a student within the School of Public Health, right? I'm not getting my MPH. Um, One of them would be much better suited to answer what all that details, but I do know that it has been used um, for many, many years. Uh, One of the popular, well, one of the things that it's been used for is like HIV um, Mm -hmm. and different diseases like that. And so contact tracing is something they've always had, but this year they really had to bolster it. I mean, they had it on such a small scale before to go to a global pandemic level is 
a huge jump. And that's, that's actually where I kind of came in. They started opening up positions for contact tracers that are Bright State students back in, say, like, end of August, beginning of September, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I saw that, and I applied for it. At the time, like, I was just taking the classes, and I figured I needed something else to fill the rest of my time, and I wanted to make an impact. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why I applied for it. And I ended up getting a job. And so we um, and did about a week's worth of training where they helped us with our motivational interviewing skills. They also helped us with understanding what they currently know about the pandemic and then also understanding that it is a pandemic. So it's very rapidly changing. Um, but they've actually, so they actually still do have opportunities for students that want to be contact tracers or want to get involved. Um, if anybody is interested, they can reach out to Camille Edwards. Um, do you guys do show notes? Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. If you guys do show notes, I've got her email address for you, but it's camille.edwards at write.edu. Um, and so if anybody's interested, they can email her strong candidates would have a good understanding of HIPAA, preferably with some sort of experience. Um, as well as good communication skills and also demonstrate the ability that they can work in a rapidly evolving environment. Um, and so like the actual number of contact traces that we need does depend on the volume of like contracts from the different counties. So that's kind of up in the air and changing right now going into the new year. Uh, but it does appear that we will need more contact tracers. So, okay. So I'm curious, Nick, uh, how many, People, do you usually, uh, do your contact tracers usually get in contact with every, um, like every shift? Because I've heard pretty much anywhere from 11 to 15 is what's usually been going on with that. Yeah. So that number can change. Um, it's really just luck of the draw at the end of the day. I mean, not everybody answers their phone, especially when you see a caller ID that you don't know, you know, um, especially with like, just, I don't know if you guys have noticed it this year, but just so many like scam calls. Um, Absolutely. And so it can be difficult getting a hold of people in the first place. So sometimes you can have a no hitter shift, if you will, where you just make call after call, upwards of 30 or so calls, and just only get a hold of one, maybe two people. But it really just depends on how many people you get a hold of. Um, I would say somewhere between, I don't know, four and eight cases during a shift wow so but, what do you do oh sorry i was just gonna ask what do you do when somebody doesn't pick up nick do you leave a message do you call back in another time how do you handle that so that's something that's changed as the pandemic has progressed and that also changes based off of staffing levels so when we can we like to make at least three phone call attempts to reach someone with leaving a voicemail after the second. Um, in hopes that they do call us back. And so we do, we call the first time we don't leave a voicemail. The second time we call, we'll leave a voicemail. Um, and then the third time we follow up again, usually on the next day, if possible, space it out some and, you know, vary the time of day. But right now with how everything is going and the recent influx in cases, it's two phone calls. So we call once, um, leave a voicemail, and then we call again during the same shift. And if we can't get a hold of them, we have to move on. Um, but if they call back, we absolutely set them up with a contact tracer. Well, that's good. I just wondered what your system was for that. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good question. I don't remember if it was uh, you, Nick, who mentioned it, or it was one of the other people I was talking to, but uh, someone was mentioning that the weekend after Halloween was super big in terms of people you had to contact because everyone's going out to Halloween parties and getting sick. I can't recall anymore, man. The um, all the weeks anymore just blur together for me. But um, the past nine months. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. The past nine months. I, I don't know. I don't know if you would see anything that quickly. Um, anything that I would say about it would just be conjecture on my part. Nick, I wanted to ask you about um, career aspirations that you had. I know that you said that you know you started out in mechan- mechanical engineering, and now you're doing the things that you're doing now, and you want to go back to med school. Um, so where do you, where do you see yourself, um, you know, after school, what are, what are some of the goals that you have career wise? Where do you want to be? That's, um, that's a good question. So I, I want to be a physician. Um, and then after medical school, I really enjoyed emergency medicine. And I think that I would enjoy being in the emergency medicine field. So that's like, if you go into the hospital, like with the ambulance, you go into the ER, the doc that sees you, there's an EM doc. Um, I find that fascinating but i also don't want to like limit my options to just that field because like just this semester i found out i really enjoy neuroanatomy um and just in neurology in general just fascinates me so i think and there's definitely some recency bias there but um going through school i hope will help help me refine which field i want to go into um, but i also want to stay engaged in the community um not just through my work hopefully as a physician, but also be an engaged member of the community. Yeah, absolutely. What is it about the the fast paced nature of the, you know, the emergency side of things that draws you to it? Is it the adrenaline rush or what is it? I like that. There is neat. And I do enjoy that part of it, but I really like that it is, it's very varied. Like you don't see the same thing over and over again, typically, and every shift is different. So it's, it's always something new, something different happening. And also just being able to be that that chaperone there, if you will, for the patient and being able to guide them through a challenging time. I mean, going to the ER is not not a great situation to be in, but to be the person there that can help guide them and their family through what they're facing. That um that motivates me. And that's something that I get a lot of self, you know, fulfillment out of when I was doing EMS. So Yeah, that's amazing. I, I hear a lot of the same things coming from my friends, um, especially right now that are nurses. I have quite a few friends that are that are working in, you know, surgery units, ER units, um, a lot of people that are working on, you know, different COVID floors at the at local hospitals and stuff. Um, that's some of the things that I've talked to them about. I'm like, I'm like, how do you guys, you know, get the motivation to go out and just put yourself in these these crazy situations, especially right mm-hmm. now? Um, you know, working in a hospital is a dangerous place to be working right now. And it's yeah. I think it's fascinating just to listen to these people talk about, you know, the things that motivate them. And that most of the time, that's what it is. They want to be that person um, that can be there for those people that are going through these, you know, these crazy and wild times. So I have a, I have a huge um, appreciation for people like you and people that are, you know, working in the hospitals as nurses and doctors and everything doing, um, doing everything that they're doing right now, because like you said, it is much needed. A lot of the times these people, um, you know, they're going through these, these different illnesses and these sicknesses and they're, they're worried um, and having somebody that's compassionate to be there by their side, you know, throughout that experience is really, really important. So thank you for all of the work that you do, Nick. I just want to let you know, I do appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I, I have a deep respect for um, the healthcare providers 
throughout this pandemic as well. I'm very fortunate that I can, you know, make calls from home and that I can supervise our contact tracers from home. Very proud of our contact tracers and the work that they've done for our community. Um, yeah, you sound like you have both the uh, knowledge and bedside manner, so that's good. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you. Um, tune in to our campus radio station right down the hall from the Guardian office in 018 Student Union. Uh, it is WWSU 1069 FM, Dayton's Right Choice. I'm legally obligated to say that. And uh, we are on the air, I believe, every Monday from 5 to 6. And then I think it's every Friday. I'm not, I completely forget when the uh, that show is on. Um, you can also tune in to uh, some other radio shows uh, that we have. Pretty much anything, uh, anything you want, we have. Whether it's sports or music or talk, comedy, we've got it. Um, I would definitely suggest listening to um, a little radio show called Rock and Raider, which airs Mondays from three to five. Uh, they talk about rock music, um, what's going on that day in history, billboard charts, really just a lot of pop culture. And I'm totally not biased because I host it. So <laughs> uh, definitely check it out. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, we love WWSU 106.9 here at the Raider Report and the Guardian. So please um, do listen to Maxwell and check out some of the work that they're doing over there. Um, we got some great shows going on over there, um, like, like Maxwell shows. Um, so yeah, go ahead and check that stuff out. Nick, I got one last question for you before we get out of here. This is something that we ask. Um, every one of our guests just as a little something to laugh about before we get out of here. Um, yeah. So do you drink coffee? And if you do drink coffee, <laughs> how do you prefer your drink? Yes. Yes, I do drink um, coffee a lot. I have two ways I prefer it. Um, in the morning, I prefer a warm cup of just plain coffee. And then in the afternoon, I do like cold brew. Oh, yes. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> I think Claire's a big fan of the cold brew as well. I, I have to have a grande, though, because then it'll give me the shakes if I have too much. But yes. I feel that. I feel that. Well, I think that's it for today, guys. Nick, thank you so much for being here, um, talking with us about a little bit about what you do um, and some of the things that you're involved with um, and your schooling life. I really appreciate you being here. It's been great talking to you, getting to know you over these past 35 minutes. Um, Claire Maxwell, thank you so much for being here as well. Um, like I always say, I really enjoy doing this on a weekly basis with you guys. I love meeting new people and talking with new people with you guys. So thank you so much for doing this every week with me. It means a lot. Um, like Maxwell said earlier, be sure to check out WWSU 106.9, all of the great work that they're doing over there. Um, and check our social medias at WSU Guardian, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. We're all over the place. We got the right source of news. So please check us out. Um, and yeah, we will be back next week with another episode for you guys, episode 15. Um, I look forward to talking to all of you. So thank you so much for being here, guys, and have a good night. Bye. Thanks for having me.